Welcome back to Cosmic Brilliance, folks, where we share with you today part three of our copyrighted mini-series with my unique guest, Dragon Elf Hybrid Super Soldier, Apollomy Mendelian. She has been in several secret space programs, such as Project Stargate, since she was five years old and on Earth physically, this time since she was 11 years old. I hope most of you have had a chance to review part one and two, because we are not going to be repeating a lot. So we need to stay up to speed about that. We have so much to cover and her time is very, very precious. She's not doing many interviews. She's agreed to do this with me. She averages three hours sleep because she's still active and works at night. So we are very, very fortunate to have her. In half of today's shows, Apollomy will be answering deeper questions that subscribers wrote into me wishing for greater clarity. And I like to respect that so long as they're good questions. My passion is always to provide actionable data and real people who have boots on the ground and wings in the skies, pun intended for you, my dear, with wings. <laughs> On Cosmic Brilliance, you are learning knowledge, not just from the limited perspective of like an ant, bottom up, but rather top down, source creator itself and the creator councils and how that all feeds to us. That's where the original creational ideas and experiments always start that are generally always geared towards maximum soul growth. So big picture concepts and the fact that you are multidimensional creator beings means we exist in simultaneous realms at the same time, quote, end quote. Now, I don't know how many of you remember, there was a book that many of us read in school called Stranger in a Strange Land. It was Robert Heinlein's Hugo award-winning all-time masterpiece. And it was a brilliant novel that grew from a cult favorite to a bestseller to a science fiction classic. And it was about him being raised by Martians on Mars and uh, that he was a human who had never seen any other member of his species. And this ends up being a true story after way many years after the fact when we hear from super soldiers about Mars, but he was sent to earth and he is a stranger on earth who must learn what it is to be a man. Sound familiar? <laughs> but his own beliefs and his powers far exceed the limits of humankind. And as he teaches them about rocking, he also inspires a transformation that will alter Earth's inhabitants forever. So you guys are gonna to have to get used to me because I love the word rocking. And what rocking is, we don't have any English equivalent I can think of, is when you can't explain something, but feel it, is true, like love. So may I suggest that instead of trying to figure out every minutia in your mind about what is being shared here, which is more or less my job, allow yourself to just grok it with your soul, okay? Because the, the human mind can't always understand all this, but a resonance in your soul might be there where you're like, okay, and remain open to it. So we are entering now the last phase of the grand experiment on earth, which involves your individual ascension as discussed and opportunity. 
And that was discussed in part two, where we covered the time frame, the importance of raising your vibrations and living to our best ability in alignment with ourselves and the four bodies that Apollomy introduced that we contain our subtle bodies as long as we have respect for our planet and all living creatures. So Apollomy, a sweet yet kick butt guest, <laughs> came from source creators non free will first universe to our experimental free will universe on earth as punishment, unfortunately, which was explained in parts one and two. We have all allowed our emotions to get the better of us. There's not one person I know that hasn't. So it's part of the tough learning curve here. And a slight recap reminder, due to her unique genetics and her ability, when she wants to be impartial, Apollomy is also called upon to be present in the important Starseed Council. She was uh, used for ambassadorial skills, I believe, in the very, very, very important Starseed Council Treaty of 2016, which was a big turnaround moment that she talked about when the immortal seven avatars of Source's first universe called Hanova finally, and I might say finally, came down here to give a parental directive to the dark draconians and Andromedan Syrian councils to stop fighting. And since that time, we are starting to slowly go back uphill a little bit with all the help. So that's the recap you get. And let's welcome Apollomy. And thank you so much for being willing to once again, courageously step forward to share more of your personal experiences and the never before discussed wisdom that can assist us. And I realized, as I said, you are fully active on very little sleep, go on missions almost every night. And so I can't thank you enough for what an honor this is. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to have me back on again. Oh, thank you, hon. So folks, I received a few comments uh, that this isn't judgmental. It was just naive comments uh, that needed clarification. So this is a reminder to everyone watching so that I don't smack you, that it is against super soldier hybrid galactic rules for them to reveal their hybrid body forms or abilities publicly, period, end of subject. So that is why she's wearing her colorful, colorful smart suit, which creates an image of human projection. So you are not seeing her wings, her tails, her slivered eyes, or elven dragon ears, even though you can see her ears are pretty pointed, okay? End of subject. I'm sorry if you're disappointed, but you know, that's the rules. So later we will give you more description of how our different smart suits work, which Andre wanted. And by the way, tons of information is covered in my previous shows with Randy Kramer, special section super soldier about smart suits. Hers is unique because she has a pattern of tearing of uh, what do we call it? Phase shifting and tearing out of each one. <laughs> You're such a good bad girl. Or actually, Thanks. I'd say you're such a bad, good girl. <laughs> okay, so they have to spend bucks and bucks giving her new suits to hold back her powers, <laughs> right? So yeah, they've they spent quite a bit and have had to do a lot of upgrading, but occasionally 
the suit does fail and you can see my eye sliver. I've actually had a couple of interviews where my eyes are doing their slivering or weird things. So, yes. Okay. So another reminder, Apollo me has been the first person I have met in all my years of research who remembers Source's first universe and still is able to go back and forth from Hanova, that universe, but cannot stay there because she's on a tour of duty here. Is that correct, Apollomy? I get to go back every like once in a rare moon, but mainly just for work with the Immortal Seven and the Starseed Councils. Well, that's still a big deal. Those are the head honchos over there. So at the end of last show, part four, we begin to cover some of the details of the afterlife that all humans will experience, of course. And Apollo and me was sweet enough to give us the exact words that she recommended to practice before we fall asleep to prepare for our cross over our death that will enable us to go directly to whatever you choose, a special deity or your source and not deal with other astral travels. And you can take that off the screen of the last show, print it out and use it. So I'm going to say the sentence that she gave right now for those that may be really new to the show because I consider it very, very important. And it is the polymy quote, when I die, I want my consciousness and my ethereal astral body to be returned to prime source consciousness, who is the creator of all the multiverses? You have to be very specific because a lot of people masquerade as source creators and all kinds of stuff. Okay, so Apollomy, you taught some new information about our astral body actually being the subtle body that contains our memories, which I'd never heard about. And I wanted to continue a little bit with the afterlife topic because a lot of people have questions on that. So let's start with a topic that is or was uncomfortable for me, for sure. So I can imagine it's gonna be uncomfortable for you. And many in this movement have heard about it, referred to more or less as the false tunnel of light, reincarnation, recycling, magnetic soul trap. Now, according to some emissaries in our movement and other soldiers, super soldiers, they spoke about this trap and that it was purportedly uh, one emissary said it was purportedly dismantled off the moon. I think there's a section on Saturn and Earth itself. Uh, now, I'm adding that from Lisa Royal's work, who's an amazing channeler, she said that this trap was used by the same groups back in the time of the Orion Wars, so that when people crossed over, they would be trapped in it and forced to reincarnate back, which gave them a sense of hopelessness. So we're addressing that issue now. And uh, Paulomi, I'd like to know if you know anything about this or about um, the risks a human has when they cross over or soul trapping or anything you'd like to share. There's a lot of questions. I know, <laughs> I know. I'll remind you, just, you just start and I'll remind right. you. Well, for, I know a little bit about the soul trapping I do not know anything about the going towards the light thing. I haven't really experienced anything like that. I know that when I die, 
for all of my reincarnations, I am going to specific uh, deities or basically the same deity or the other one, depending. I have two that I bounce between. So, you know, I receive training and whatnot, and then I usually get reincarnated a, a couple of years after I die. But the only things that I kind of know about the soul trappings is back when, before the treaty got signed for the Dark Draconians and the Syrian Council and the Andromeda Council, I actually got trapped in a soul net that was mainly between Saturn and Jupiter. And it was just this huge white net that put off this like whitish blue light. And I was astral traveling at the time. And I don't even really remember getting stuck in this thing at all. And I was there for maybe three, four days, I think, because my physical body didn't really know that I was still astral traveling, you know, because if you're not super, super connected with yourself, it's, it, you, you're not even really going to notice, but my physical body started getting drained of energy. I felt like I was dying, not so much from being like sick, but I wasn't able to really get any energy into me. And so I ended up linking with my astral body and I was sitting there drooling, stuck to this stupid fence. And it literally looked like it was like woven mesh. And I could like look around and see other people had gotten stuck too, and not just humans. And it was like, what the heck is this? You know, I, I didn't even know what it was. And I literally took one of my Hanovian weapons to actually cut this thing. I couldn't do it with just normal dimensional energy that I can manipulate. So I ended up cutting this thing and getting out of it and ended up contacting another terror guardian because it was the terror ter guardian at the time. And we we're just like, what the heck is this thing? Like, I don't understand. And so he went to go check it out and he managed to dismantle a good like panel of the of the fence and all the souls or astral bodies ended up floating away well it wasn't until a couple years later that I ended up going into this battle with this draconian and he opened this jar and it literally sucked my astral body into it and it was the same energy containment field as the fence and I had to manage to get my way out of that too which was not easy wow go ahead i was gonna say that that's kind of like the only devices that i have seen uh the only other experience that i have because you said this was like a, a like a magnetic thing well our soul is magnetic and yes. electrical yeah so also uh hold, hold that thought because this is really important when she uses the word terra a terra guardian she is a guardian as other beings uh have been on my show too but they don't say which means they're here for high protection of earth and helping out al along with other things and and so Terra remembers the galactic name and then also the souls are electrical and magnetic and we're not going to get in the horrific stories within the secret space program in this show of how souls are trapped okay because that's down the line we're just working right now on what she knows about when you cross over and what she experienced 
because I had been told that the more you struggle, the more you're caught. They described it as a net, at least at the time of Orion, during the Orion Wars, and uh, that you had to know, you had to find holes in the net or know how to break out. Now you said you used a weapon, but you're in your astral body. Mm-hmm. So how does that happen when you're in your astral body? Do you just bring in an astral weapon? I mean, like pretty, pretty much. Astral just means that you're you're functioning on a different plane of existence or dimension yeah you know so the physics there they still work they're different but they still work and you still you can manifest things a lot easier there and the energy is a lot more readily available to manipulate you know forging is still this the same over there as well and i i have some because i work for the starseed council not earth starseed council not this universe starseed council, the Hanovian starseed council. We have a lot higher tech weaponry that we can use. And being a guardian, most guardians are pretty highly connected with abilities <laughs> to deal with this. Um, so can you, without giving away the weapon, can you say what the weapon actually did? It was literally just a sword. Oh, okay. But it was like an energy beam weapon that could cut through this kind of thing. Yeah. So did you take this back to the councils? Because this is reported, right? We want to know if this is one of the major matrices that is being made by the instrument on Saturn still and all of this stuff, or if it's down for good, or if it was taken down and if they keep putting back up and, and like what do us humans need to do? I think it's one of the importance folks uh, at this point until we know more, this is what I would suggest, not even necessarily go toward the light because I've interviewed over 300 people who have wonderful near-death experiences and report the light and then uh, light being shown, you know, feeling unconditional love, being shown meeting with soul family members being given the life review, and then choosing to come back to teach. Now, when I mentioned that to Apollomy, Apollomy, what did you say about near-deathers? <laughs> Do you remember? No. Oh, you <laughs> it's said- a long night. <laughs> you, said, you said they haven't died. Oh, oh yeah. So- so, however, these beings that I re- reported had clinically body died, no signs, up to the longest was 13 hours. So that's what hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come back. They come back and say, we were able to feel everything that all the impact of everything we thought and felt, we were able to see the data, the Akashic records, we were able to review. We were able to view how what we said impacted the other person as if it was them, which is very advanced. Uh, that's like more like laws of one, where you realize what you do to yourself, you know, what you do to another person you're doing to yourself. So that's the most advanced reports, but they always have the theme of a light that magnetic draws but so did the orions in the false trap they had a light that people were conditional we're going to go toward the light and then they were magnetically trapped and then there was this whole 
you could say fake reality, you know, Christ can appear, whoever can appear out of your thoughts, you meet everybody, they get your compliance by saying, okay, now you reviewed. And what do you think about going back? Now, these are near deathers. These aren't people who actually died and, you know, are choosing to reincarnate. These are ones who chose to enter their body, which they said completely was horrific because the body was cold and all of that. So I just wanted to fill everyone in that, those who haven't studied near-death experiences. Now, but we are talking about not so much near-death, but when all of us cross over, what would you advise? Well, it's kind of tricky because unless you actually can feel out energy signatures, you don't really know exactly what you're dealing with, especially when entities have the ability to replicate, you know, your reality. The, the only thing that I can think of, it was, well, a couple of things, and that is when you choose to die, you know, if you choose to leave your body, because normally when you when you start to die, you will actually have an out-of-body experience. You'll see your body. But yeah, everyone looks back down at their body. Yes. Yeah, so everyone can see what's going on. And if it's not overly that badly damaged, you can choose to stay or you can choose to go or whatever you want to do. You know, like at that point, you know, most people will will see see the light, but you're not truly dead until your cord is cut. The silver cord you described, right? Correct. Connects your physical body to your astral body in the last show. Yes. Correct. Because when you were having an out of body experience, you were actually perceiving things in your astral body. Okay. And that body is the one that gets reincarnated throughout your throughout the lifetimes and. It is like a sectional consciousness that is a part of your oversoul and your higher self. Okay. So you can choose to go by demanding, like demanding throughout all of reality that you want to go to either your higher self or your oversoul. Mm-hmm which is what the purpose of training yourself before you go to sleep with that command. Connection. Yes, right. with the intention. There you go. Right. What was your experience when you're in your astral body instead of like a tunnel of light? Is it dark? Is it dark? Do you see stars? What do you see? Well, usually it will depend on what plane that you're traveling on for your astral body because it can hit different ones. So the terrain might be different, planets might be different, physics are going to be different. It's very, very complex. Okay, but those leaving, so, so those leaving 3D, which they are now, kind of leaving 3D or 4D as we call it density, and Earth is already in 5D, She's made consciousness is in five. The physical body is not. Okay. So her physical body is aligned with most people in three and four D, but her consciousness is five D. Right. Which means 
there's a connection. So that's what we need to establish the connection as well, which is what you're going to be talking about, like the astral body and things, the connection as well between our physical reality, right? Mm -hmm. And how we can get to 5D for those, or even 4D, which is better for those that wish to, and not everyone wishes to. Um, so it depends, of course, every soul here is originally from different frequencies and different densities. So it probably depends on what home is to them. So that's why it's quotes the safest, it seems to me, um, rather than following. Now I know you, we're gonna talk about the deities you work with, but rather than, for me, I'm just saying my bias, rather than following any particular deity that you're not 100% sure is the real deal and has your best interest in mind, um, is to go straight back to your oversoul or higher self. Right, correct? yes, correct. Okay, so you get clear on that. The idea is that higher frequency always trumps lower frequencies things, right? Not necessarily. Okay. Everyone has this ideal that, oh, lower frequencies are bad and, you know, they, they bring so much issues. They have different physics. So yes, like higher frequencies, depending can influence lower frequency physical objects to the physics over there. And some of it's not going to go very well. It's like, you know, an opera singer singing at a very high tune and breaking a glass goblet. You know, right. it makes it vibrate to the point where the physical properties just can't sustain themselves anymore. So depending on what your orientation is, uh, they said in desperation, they would call for help. And at mm -hmm. least the ones that still stayed alive to report it, this is more closer to near death, said help was given, but they had to intend and ask for it and feel they were worthy of it. What do you think about that? Well, asking for help for the specific people who have the know-how have the contracts to help and are bound by those contracts to help in a law of one manner is important and they will do their job but when you ask for help you are not giving your soul to them i want to make this very clear to everybody if you ask say say anubis okay you ask Anubis to, to come and guide your soul to the afterlife. You are asking for help in a manner of which they have made contracts with the gods of karma, I guess is the easiest way for most people to understand, that their job is to protect that soul from anything that's going to try and attack it anything that's going to try and divert it to something else, that soul itself has to make a very conscious decision if they have asked for help to veer off of that track. Yeah. So. Because right. again, free will. Mm -hmm. You yeah. still have to state your free will. Right. Yeah. Okay. Talk about the ones you interact with 
and the ones that are what you refer to, I don't like this word, but what you refer to as the reapers, which could also be explained as afterlife helpers, right? And guides. Okay, so talk about the ones you've met and a little bit about that. Well, I have met Aries, Athena, Zeus, Hades, um, Artemis. Artemis is one of my favorites. (laughs) She's awesome. I've met Anubis and Horus in Bastet. I have also met um, Odin and Thor and Freya. Wow. Now you met them in the original source universe. No, those guys are they're over complicated. Here. <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> Okay, I just got to get clear here. They're over here too, obviously. Yeah, the, some of them do have the ability to to come over here from other pocket universes, basically. Well, and some are probably actually reincarnating too, in many ways. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I forgot Apollo. I can't forget Apollo. <laughs> okay, so... Um, tell me what Anubis looks like and are, is like, and, um, if you have a soul contract, you're saying with these beings, they will come and help immediately. Right. So Anubis looks very similar to his idols, the statuettes that you see, uh, his, he's part of the, he is part of, I would say like can, caninus type uh, entities. There are species who are dog-like in many varieties. He's really cool, very calm, pretty stoic, you know, very, once you get to know him, he's a lot, he's a lot more jovial, but he's, he's kind of like the, the stoic person who just kind of observes everything really. He doesn't really try to get attached to, to too many things. Fascinating. Yes. Um, there are such things as dogmen, which are super soldiers. There's also lichen species, which were often mistaken for werewolves. There's all kinds of uh, dog-faced beings, but this is very, very interesting to actually talk to someone who's met them. <laughs> so um, Anubis, I know, is written in texts as an afterlife deity who cared for the dead are beings that crossed over and who weighed hearts to see if they were light as a feather. And if they were light as a feather, they would get to go on. So it was kind of like a karmic determining karma. And what hit me when I read that is the phrase when we say, oh, I have a heavy heart. You know, like we're heavy heart when we're sad or something like that. So again, our goal is to raise our frequencies and do our homework. When a pantheon is created, you have to understand that these are people who come from all over that aren't related to each other in any form or fashion and make a group to basically be, you know, teachers or most people call them deities, that sort of thing, to start governing and start cultivating new civilizations. But Earth seems to like make them all jumbled and that they're all related to each other and everything. That's not true. Right. There's a lot of them that are not even the same species, let alone bloodline. 
Okay. Okay. But these all are considered, the general pantheon can be a mixed bag of everything, but they're considered more advanced souls. I wouldn't say advanced souls. I mean, that depends, okay. that depends on your definition, you know, okay. so okay. they are, they are more knowledge and they have more science and experience than the people that they have cultivated. So those people would consider them advanced, but when it comes to their path and journey of learning and growing, I wouldn't consider them any different, but that's just me. I, I have issues with deities. So I'm the same way. Yep. That's why I'm, I'm like straight to source, straight to your higher self. Do not give your power away to anyone else. You know, you can have some beer with them on the other side and some good laughs and whatever, but don't make them, you know, all of this kind of stuff. Do not okay. put them on a pedestal. Exactly. So a lot is going on in our dream states right now. Many of my clients are reporting being able to remember dreams when they usually can't. And I know that uh, our galactic family downloads, both beneficial, sometimes not beneficial, but mostly beneficial downloads while we sleep. And um, you got a lot of that last night, which is one of the reasons you woke up to not feeling so restful, right? Because you got a lot of information and experience. So what is that like for people? Do you have any insights on dreams and the astral body to share with people? Well, that's kind of like a huge broad spectrum because in the physical body, dreams are a manifestation of trying to, your brain trying to figure out everything. And there's a lot of people who don't dream and that's usually because it's trauma-based. Mm. They either don't like themselves internally or, you know, they, they just, they have that blockage because they have too much going on and they can't digest everything. So there's that. And then I don't believe that everyone has downloads when they sleep just from, you know, my interactions, like growing up with other kids and, you know, us all talking about it and, you know, even like teenagers and adults, you know, there's not everyone has, has downloads, but um but my version of downloads might be different than, than everyone else's oh I'm sure so but dreaming is the most important thing because it is literally you are the closest to your astral body and closest to your source's creation when you are sleeping because you're literally dealing with just your consciousness at that point your physical body's consciousness and so it links that bridge with the silver cord. Because sure. <laughs> I mean, is the consciousness passed through from the physical body to the astral body? That's a survival mechanism. So if, when you're yeah. still when you're still traveling in your astral body, you still have that silver cord that's tethered to your physical. Right. And you never want that broken. <laughs> Not unless you want to die. Because <laughs> you can't come back into your body. Okay. So um, let's get into the importance of the astral body, which some of the things you mentioned in previous shows are really profound. And we do know that part of the original experimental game that you explained here was to blank slate our memories and our abilities to see if we could all get along with each other without having all those preconditioned memories and past life experiences. Well, now this feels like the time where many people are slowly waking up now more to that. 
So now we need the education of uh, what do we need to do? Now you said something really profound and it, it uh, kind of spanked me to be get, start getting really sincere about this is how many, you said that most people that you see are not connected to their astral body. Now that is huge. Uh, and, and I want you to describe what it feels like to not be connected to your astral bodies, because I have a feeling a lot of people will relate to that. Okay, so what does that feel like? Are you walking around like a zombie? So what I mean by they're not connected to their astral body is that silver cord to your astral body is still there. Your astral body is what most people would call your soul. And it is linked to your physical body. And that cord provides source energy to your physical body. It provides awareness. It provides a link bridge to your consciousness from your physical body has its own consciousness and your astral body has its own consciousness. And it allows that bridge to, to kind of go through. So when I say people are not connected to their astral body, that consciousness connection is not there. And a lot of the astral source energy is not there either. And you have to work on your physical body in order to make that connection. That's part of ascension. So the more that you can make that bridge and that bridge becomes stronger and you start to get that bridge connected, the more abilities you're going to have. Um, okay. So like, before I go into that, when you're not in tuned with your astral consciousness, you can feel isolated, alone. Your awareness is only on your physical form. There's no awareness really to, you're like shut off to everything. You're shut off to the seasons, the feeling of the seasons. You're shut off to, you know, it, it just feels like you're just there, but there's nothing that you're feeling. You're shut off to feeling other people around you. You're shut off to feeling animals, you know, being around you without seeing them. Those most people would say like high intuition, but that is still part of consciousness because when you start getting into the astral consciousness, your astral body is flying around. It's doing what it's wanting to. It is your awareness outside of your physical reality. It gives you insight. It gives you wisdom. It gives you knowledge. Fascinating. And I do remember if I have this right, that you said the astral body is the body, your final, finer, subtle body that contains all the memories it contains quite a bit of the memories all of the memories that you have ever had in all your reincarnations and all your shards or i believe you called them fractals that mm -hmm. is in your oversoul and your higher self aha uh -huh. okay your astral body will contain memories of at least four past lives if not more and that is the form that kind of evolves and creates its own identity so it can take personalities from 16 lifetimes ago you know little traits of like i like my tea this way or you know i really love this flower it reminds me of this place that i haven't been to in five million years uh-huh so you have bleed throughs that way yes mm -hmm. okay so um you gave me earlier in a conversation with the three elements of consciousness defined. So you said consciousness is vibration, thought, and emotions. 
which I thought is really beautiful. So when I asked you, here's a hard one, folks. When I asked you, how many people are you seeing a polyme that on earth that are connected to their astral body? What did you say? It said one out of every 400 people. And that's in a city. And that is them being fully aware of, you know, just more than themselves, being able to sense the seasons, being able to, you know, sense more things, having that higher intuition. It might not be a hundred percent, but it is definitely more than zero or halfway. And of course, everyone's like this you know, on their phones and everything else. They're not part of the, nobody even looks up in the sky. They don't notice things. So it's a real, that right there is a disconnect. One in 400 is got not good numbers. So the next important question with that is being the uh, statistics is how um, you, you describe what exactly people feel like when they're unconnected to their astral body which also means you're disconnected to your soul because isn't astral body equivalent somewhat to soul? Mm-hmm. Okay, not a good thing. No. I would imagine that would make them more sick, more vulnerable, tired all the time, not able to repair themselves, overwhelmed, depressed. Alone, definitely. Alone. alone right? Which is the third D experiment. When you're not living the law of one and have access to everything, you're going to automatically feel somewhat shut off, right? But Mm -hmm. the whole point of all these shows and learning from you and other teachers is what we need to focus on to reawaken that again, because we're we're only a thousand years away from the ascension. So we got to get our butts in gear. So um, what then, this is Key question here, what does every species have to focus on to reconnect with your astral body and to prepare for ascension? Now, I would imagine the first thing is intent. You have to intend to want to do that. Willpower and intention are very important because it is not an easy journey. It can be painful um, emotionally, physically, and mentally. It is very demanding. It requires a lot of time and a lot of people don't have patience with themselves to do so. They want that result right now. And that's not going to happen. It doesn't matter if you're an amazing athlete or really, really book smart knowledge. This is completely different grounds. So discipline, intent, and a lot of time. A lot being a year, two years. uh... That will depend on the person and how far they advance. It is, you have to go person to person on that one. Not everyone's the same. Uh, There are some people whose chakra systems are a little bit more uh, miscued than others. So that's going to be huge factors. You know, some people might have more discipline than others. It really just depends on everybody. So now we're going to talk about from the bottom up. Okay, we were talking about like, okay, the rules of the game, creators creating the game, 
all craters. Now we're talking about we're in a physical vehicle and the mm -hmm. physical vehicle is part of the ascension, right? Yes. So therefore we not only have to befriend and connect fully with the physical vehicle, we have to reconnect with the astral body and the more subtle bodies leading to source, which we will get, we will show a chart on that Apollomy is teaching the four different bodies. So you have that to focus on folks. We're talking inner work, getting help, releasing traumas, integrating ancestral patterns, we're talking eating healthy, organic, and trying to remove as many poisons as you can. We're talking about being in nature more. We're talking about uh, lying on the ground for grounding and walking barefoot. We're talking about meditating. Um, are we, I'm talking about the practical things people could do. And we're talking about, you brought this up, learning a simple, and they are simple, breathing or color techniques to balance out your seven major chakras is that fair or what would you add to yeah, that that's that's all fine all, all of it is very valid and very useful um what people need to understand is ascension isn't just about ascending your consciousness it's about ascending your body with it as well there's a physical a, a thought and an emotional like try trinity basically that has to happen you can't just have one or the other and for the physical part it, it takes about between six to seven years for someone to be a completely new set of them all almost all the cells go into your body and they basically change they evolve and the consciousness does the same thing your consciousness can evolve as well and your emotions can evolve how, how you're perceiving and reacting from not only yourself, but your environment needs to evolve too. So the way that the physical body evolves is we are all, a lot of us, all of us, you know, we are made with a lot of water. We have a lot of water in our bodies. And we also have piezoelectric capabilities in our bodies. And this is what happens when you take objects that are a lot of silica based and, and just they, they produce energy when force is put upon it. And our bodies produce this a lot. It's, it's also part of what makes our bioelectric fields. So every movement that you do this, you know, doing the chakras and, and putting more energy and electro force behind your toroidal field, that all helps your physical body to become stronger, to become more pure in vibration with, with a little thing called somatics. You know, that, that's the phenomenon of what happens when vibration interacts with liquid or any other matter, basically. It starts to imprint itself on it. So if you're negative all the time, if you are depressed all the time, if you cut down on other people all the time, you're gonna stay in that low vibration. You're going to interact with your environment that way too. So it doesn't just hurt yourself. It hurts everything around you. You know, there are good things of certain low vibrations. And I get into that way later in my academy, but you have to understand what vibrations are and what they do first. So for right now, it's fine to think that all low vibrations are 
just not overly all good, but that's not entirely the case. So it is intention and emotion. So any creatures who are, well, there's a lot of rumors going around that, you know, a lot of Dracos and stuff are in the infrared low vibration frequency, but that doesn't mean that they are not capable of producing love and light energy, that they're not able to be, find balance because everything can evolve. If you can go through ascension and evolve your consciousness and every, and your physical body into a better version of you, then so can they. Part of this is about learning the physics of the energy of what, who we are. Uh, there's Merkaba, um, rotations and meditation. You can learn that you find all this online. There's, uh, understanding that your toroidal fields and keeping your spinning capacity and your ability to handle electromagnetic energy in a particular way. I know you mentioned in the last shows you teach about the golden and silver spiral and the balancing act of that. Um, so there's a lot of people we can do. And uh, what? What are you laughing at? Well, I'm just I, I'm just laughing. So even though I have all this knowledge, I am not an entire I am not an ascended master or anything. If you look like me, like I am right now, your tyrodial <laughs> field is way off, and you need to ground meditate and get that spinning again because mine is like non-existent right now. I'm just like. <laughs> So there's an honest example, you know, we all go through times, but the hard part is no one is, well, at least this is what I feel. It's not like you're going to be saved. You as a creator, whether you admit that you're a co-creator or creator or not, we all need to step forward and we all need to do whatever, starting with some small thing, right? And even if we pick one small thing a week, Mm -hmm. right that we can yeah. add like cut out sugar uh, take a little walk uh, whatever it is whatever it is you know I think is really important so thank you for that um you mentioned Yahweh in the last show as your afterlife guide and he gave you guidance for evaluation for your karma in this life and told you the only two choices you had for body types that would be compatible with your high frequencies. So I'm choosing Yahweh only because everyone on earth has heard of Yahweh. Okay, out of all the, uh, they're not so familiar with others, but everyone has heard Yahweh and any all that. However, there's been much disinformation about him. So can you please describe Yah who Yahweh is just briefly and how he helps? Again. So so Yahweh is a, in Hanova, he would be considered a second tier creator that is basically right below the immortal seven. So he has a lot of knowledge, a lot of power, as with all deities, everyone is still learning. Nobody has all the answers, not even source. Okay. Nobody is perfect. So he is one of the creators who is in charge of this universe, not the multiverse, this universe. And I'm sure he has others. Now, when you say this, you're talking Earth universe or not Hanova? Earth universe. Okay. The, the universe Earth is residing in right now. Okay, this got little it. pocket universe. <laughs> the experimental pocket universe. Okay. The experimental beta universe. Yeah. So Yahweh is one of the key people 
who you said is in charge of? Yeah, so the creator council of this universe are several species in that council and he is one of them. He's not the only one, but he is one. And Yahweh as a species is considered humanoid, correct? Yeah, he could, if he wanted to, like he could walk around here. He's, he'd be tall, like really tall. Descri you know. Describe how he normally shows up for you. So when I go to see him and I've been visiting him ever since I was a little girl, he has long white hair, kind of wavy. He's got his long beard, you know, about down to the mid part of his stomach. His eyes look like you're just staring into universes. It's very pretty. He's got not overly pale skin, but kind of peachy skin. You know, and, and he dresses like he's in a toga. Like, I thought it was really weird, but I was like, <laughs> okay, whatever. Well, like, there's this white beard, this guy in the sky, he's wearing a toga, he's tall, big, and that's supposed to be God. So you can see how all this stuff gets confused with a certain way, but that's really interesting. Now, because, like, in the 80s, you don't really see anything like that, you know? Like, there's you're not allowed to know what he looks like and all this other stuff, so. Exactly. But now the truths are coming out and being revealed because, okay, so I assume that there are angelic creations in Yahweh's heaven, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, when we say Yahweh's heaven, we're talking about this universe we exist in, correct? Are we talking- Well, I mean, he's, he's got territories in Hanova and he's got territory here, so- Okay, okay. Just wanted to clear, clear that. So both are happening. So what do you know? about angels, archangels, seraphim, and have you met any of the key players like Michael, Gabriel, Raphael in person, personally? It, this one's kind of difficult because depending on what universe those beings are created in will determine basically their kind of hierarchy in his uh, territories. All of the seraphim that I know of, uh, Metatron, you know, Michael, Gabriel, those guys, they're all archangels. And well, Michael's a seraphim, the others are archangels, but they were actually made in Hinova. There are other species of angels, and these are the ones that usually just, for some reason, I don't know, it's kind of backwards, but like they don't have a lot of free will. Some of them, some of them have to do exactly what they're told. They don't really kind of stray off the path very much. There is many, many, many different types of angelics. Um, and some of them are human looking like you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. And some of them, you would immediately mistake them for what most people would call demons because their portions are really weird and they don't look like they should even exist because you know a huge ball of mini wings setting on fire that that seems a little weird but that's metatron <laughs> you know really? so he looks like a ball of like many 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 different wings and they're just kind of like rotating and in, in basically this this sphere and the sphere looks like it's on fire. <laughs> looks like a what? It looks like it's on fire. Ah. You know, but every creator has to learn their trade. They have to learn how to shape things and make things. And it's no different than any craftsman. You know, you 
there's a lot of people who say like, you know, oh, if they make a sword or something that there's a soul in that sword, no difference, no difference at all. Like, okay. So from the top down, so to speak, um, from my memory, let's see, we have prime source creator. We have the first seven immortals that are all avatars of creator appears multiple species run the whole thing. Where do the seraphim come in and where do the archangels come in and where do the angels come in? So the archangels and the angels are only specific to Yahweh. Very interesting. Wow. Like everyone calls them angels, but that's not actually like every type has specific species names. So, but they're only relevant to Yahweh, like the, the other tier, the other entities of, you know, that is a part of his pantheon, you know, that, that second tier pantheon, um, they all have their own creations and those creations have their own species names as well. So am I getting this right that Yahweh created under him, so to speak, creations that we see as archangels, Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, Mm -hmm. Oraphim, Seraphim, all of that. Correct. Now, how do Seraphim different? Are they different from archangels or the same? They would be different. They have a lot more power. Uh, They're a lot more renowned for the jobs that they do. They work a lot more closely with with Yahweh in certain subjects. It's kind of like, I don't really like using military terms, but, you know, it's kind of like that hierarchy. Well, are they creating worlds? Like, what's their main? As far as I know, they do not have the ability to create worlds. They do not have the ability to be uh creators of a council i mean some of them might have studied and gone off and have done that but not to the knowledge that i have because i don't know everything right so it depends on what other side things they're studying but i'm just trying to get i know this is oversimplistic but it's still going to be really complex for everybody is like what the a seraphim's main job are are they a guardian are they uh, do you know what i'm saying like, they would they would be like the advisor to yahweh basically they they would be they could be an advisor they could be a messenger like the the specific messenger if you think about like a royalty court they're the ones who are constantly around governing and helping to govern the kingdom okay and this is both in Hanova and here? Yes. So the angels and all that both exist under Yahweh in Hanova and also in our experimental universe. He has a territory in Hanova and he has a territory here. Source is only um, relevant to the universe that it's in because not everyone can consciousness can go back to Hanova because they're they're not create the consciousness is not created there so the afterlifes have to be you know like the the many of the afterlifes either have to be ferried or to other realms that can contain the that consciousness or they can mimic it here as well 
So uh, if someone called on a seraphim or an angel or Archangel Michael or something like that, they would get a response if they felt a deep affinity. If you know exactly what you're calling, yes. But there's also the fakers. There's also the fakers. Which is a big problem here. Well, it's like learning anything in a forest, you know? It's a frequency. You, you don't... Yeah, yeah, there's a very certain frequency, but all, every single one of those species will have a different frequency. The seraphim frequency of creation is going to be different than an archangel frequency of creation or even one of the lower angels. And how does the seraphim usually appear? Well, look it depends like. on what it Looking looks like. like. Not all seraphim look alike. Okay. So just like not all angels look alike. Michael, Uriel, Gabriel, they all are different. They have different features. Now we're going to go next to um, <laughs> you had mentioned briefly Yahweh's heaven and his Isle of Paradise. And you said Yahweh's Isle of Paradise is created from the beautiful golden spiral energy. It holds all the records of everything that has ever happened in all the universes and is also the data bank of every planetoid, planet, moon, asteroid, etc. Okay, now I did this independently um, because you had given us information of your take on Yahweh and the Isle of Paradise and Jehovah. <clears throat> and there's so much information that I contracted a another uh, being who has a high, high rate of accuracy and she channeled source creator, right? Source creator. And the three questions I asked her to to have source answer if what would who is Yahweh I mean because it's so confusing here we're not giving the right answer who is Yahweh is Yahweh the same being as Jehovah similar or different and can you give me details in our verification of Yahweh's Isle of Paradise right so this is just a supplement upon me what you um already mentioned and you didn't know I was doing this so I am going to read exactly so I don't get these words wrong and then we'll discuss it. So uh, source creator said, quote, this is source creator and we are going to do uh, allow an intuitive channeling on what you call Yahweh and Jehovah. Jehovah is source creation, the source of universal creation. Jehovah is the creator of everything in life that comes from creation. The source of all that comes from energy. The Hebrews call this their God force. The name Jehovah itself is the creation of everything that was, is, or will be. Yahweh energy creates and is a creation of planetary bodies, the sand, the earth, the dirt, what you humans walk on, what is reality? Those are the differences. Jehovah is, is source creation. Jehovah creates and the energetics of Yahweh is the being, as uh, uh, what is created that you live on, walk on physicality. These beings, Yahweh and Jehovah have had physical embodiments. Some portion of them, a very small portion has taken life cycles. Jehovah's energy was in the one known as Jesus or Yeshua. Yahweh's energy was in Mary Magdalene. The scenes that walked on earth 
had some scenes that walked on earth had Yahweh and Jehovah energy in them. And regarding the island, there has been an island that was physically created by both these beings sharing space, not at the same time, but different times. It has the golden spiral frequency of the phi energy, the sacred golden frequency of creation. That is what created this island, this golden frequency that was paradise. For the beings who came to that island, there was no sickness. This golden energy frequency protected all life force. Life force, the physicality of creation was protected. Nothing negative could infiltrate this island or the purity of the golden frequency. This island was like a garden of Eden for fifth dimensional to 10th dimensional beings. Third density beings can sometimes go in there if their spiral phi energy frequency was attuned correctly to the vibration. They could inhabit the island temporarily, but not permanently. So this island was a source of learning planetary bodies and pure energetics, which mean the energetics of frequency. Learning energy takes time, just as you were saying, Apollony. Working with energy and manifesting beyond physicality with energy is what the beings often did on this island. It was on earth, but it was a fifth dimensional frequency within the earth plane, but not on the ground of the earth, not the earth you're walking on. It was on a higher dimensional form of the earth in a fifth dimensional pocket. This is the frequency of that island. It is still there in that frequency. The embodiment of it, the learning continues of energetics to physicality and physicality to energetics. How do you upgrade the energy fields or go to higher densities? The beings going to higher realms, this is what is learned on this particular island of the golden frequency. The connections form to the higher bodies and densities of existence that these frequencies create. Yahweh and Jehovah no longer embody physical presences and incarnations as you know or think of that. Their energies have left the physical plane of existence, so they are no longer energetically or physically walking the planet, but their energy is still on this island. The frequency of them is in the protection of the island that is still is there today, end quote. So what do you think about that? I'm not quite sure which island she's talking about. But the she, isle, the paradise isle. That could be like his version of heaven here because in 2010, uh, actually, no, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get into that because that would be very devastating for everybody and they wouldn't like the truth. Um, no, I mean like- destroyed? Yes. <laughs> in 2010, towards, towards the end of it. Uh, Where are we talking? Hanover or here? No, we're talking here. It, okay. The place ended up, the place that most people call heaven here ended up getting attacked. And um, like all, all I could do, I got told to stay out of it. And so did my other friend because he's actually uh, one of the angels and he has reincarnated here on this planet. And him and I, you know, like I, I spent a lot of time over there. This is Azaziel? No, no, this is someone completely okay. different. Okay. Um, we got told to stay out of it. We tried to actually astral travel over there, you know, cause it's a lot easier and we couldn't like, they locked us down and all we could do was watch this place get raided and destroyed. And 
And this was the heaven realms in this experimental universe. Right. And a couple weeks before that, Yahweh actually died. Okay. So he was no longer here. And I believe I actually talked about this in a few interviews about two years ago. So I'm not just making it up on the spot. Um, I actually still have some of my notes in my notebook of the actual event. That must have been incredibly dramatic. So who were the, are you allowed to say who the beings were that attacked heaven? Uh, I don't know if I well should because it's very complicated. People don't okay. understand the realms alliances and everything. Okay. Um. Wow, that's pretty intense. So, does that mean that we don't have heaven realms here? No, it's it's under const- it has been under construction. Everyone started to rebuild it because they never touched the soul well. They couldn't. Okay, describe soul well. So the soul well is only for creators who have agreed to abide by the Hanovian laws of one for reincarnation and um, assessment, as you like to call it. So it, it helps the analyze your ascension process for your astral body and place you into an appropriate area after you decide to get reincarnated. So and if you're talking this universe still, there's this soul, universe, there's this soul universe. well so, in this universe, so it pertains to the earth. Right. And okay. Yahweh was not the only one to have this. Okay. There are all of the creators who were part of creating this universe each have one. The Kuite has one. Yahweh has one. There's a lot of other species who also have one. Uh, the Kuite are golden mantis beings. They call themselves the, the keepers of the Akashic records. Um, their, their afterlife is interesting because literally you're just stuck in a library. <laughs> oh, they love carnated. knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Know. Yeah. Well, so do dragons. Yeah. Yeah. Dragons like knowledge too, but we also have sweet teeth. <laughs> Mine would be that a bakery. <laughs> okay wow okay that was intense now wait a minute that was in what year that was in 2010 for the timeline that i for the parallel universe that i came from i do know that i jump but and it's kind of weird because like sometimes things cross over and they don't right but what what the channeler said does make sense to a point now yahweh still exists in hanova he's still there so the point is that you experience this on a parallel reality and you're not sure it's our reality or a parallel version of earth yeah i would literally have to like meditate and astral travel to that area to that's important information okay and that probably was one of the reasons that instilled the treaty because you said it happened before our treaty was what 2000 and 2016 i believe i'd have to and this happened the the heaven attack was 2010 so those two aren't related when heaven Mm -hmm. was attacked they didn't say okay we gotta come in and parent more and get involved more and things no it it, the fall of one territory is it can happen i mean especially if it's preempted (laughs) 
<laughs> from the creator itself <laughs> you know oh, you, you yeah. gotta you gotta love those intentions from other other beings anyway okay. um <laughs> okay so but it's it was basically I had to go to the Immortal Seven and literally be like, you guys need to fi- figure out what's going on down here because this isn't right. This is going against starseed code for planets, for, for starseed planets, uh, or seed planets, not starseed planets. It's going against code for the Arbor Council, which is beta universes. You know, the, the laws are being broken that should not and cannot be broken by the laws of one set down from the Immortal Seven. And they're like, oh, it'll be fine. I'm like, no, you need to, you need to check it out. And I'm sure I am not the only one who has gone and complained. Yeah. All right. I am not the only person who works in the Starseed Council. Exactly. I think a lot of us complained. Okay. So when did the fifth era of man that we're participating in with the most advanced genetics, when did the fourth end and the fifth start? That's a good question and I have no idea. <laughs> okay, but if my memory serves me right, um, you have some uh, involvement or some story about the previous fourth era of man and the wipe that occurred, right? You right. Can share a and little bit about that. So go ahead and share a little bit about that then, if we, even if you don't know the exact date. To my knowledge, it was the avatars of the Immortal Seven who actually came to this universe and created Atlantis. It was then handed off to mortals who, you know, eventually atlantis was around for a really long time mm-hmm. um during the first fall of atlantis because i'm learning that there's more uh the first fall of atlantis the dark draco king lucifer who is a draconian who allowed mars to fail its um ascension basically came and attacked earth in multiple areas and me being a champion of one of the immortal seven i was ordered to protect Atlantis while we got everyone out of there ended up fighting the the fleet ships basically that came in uh I basically ended up kind of dying during that battle and so that was before the great flood that ended up wiping out the fourth era of man okay yeah because there were at least four epochs of Atlantis um okay so Folks, this is a really, really important point, because as soon as she said Lucifer, I know like ears went up. Lucifer, in my knowing, is a title, not a specific being. What do you know? Uh, 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 What would you say? The only Lucifer I know is the Lucifer that was created in Hinova. He is an archangel. Um, He's no longer in the celestial heavens. He is in other realms of the lower planes but he is not a dragon he is still an angelic just because you fall does not strip you of your species fall strip you of your species but names get recycled all the time 
people have been called Yahweh, people have been called Jesus, people have been called, I don't even know how many people yeah. in the world have my name, let alone yours. And so it's titles and right. species that are very important and like where you come from, you know, like I'm this person from this, you know, city, from this planet, from this galaxy. Ashtar's the same. People thought Ashtar was one being and it's a title. It is the title. It's yes, title. that is correct. Yes. I learned that from a super soldier. So, thing. yeah. <clears throat> oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, yeah. Um, so there is a draconian who is red, whose name is Lucifer. He was the king of the Draco constellation. That kingdom has now fallen. So, yay. Because they're part of the. When did it fall? The, uh, this is the what? dark Draco. This is the dark Draco faction. Just to correct. be clear. Okay. Yes. And when did it fall? Uh, I'm so bad with dates and with me time jumping all the time. Well, that's true. That's I believe true. it. I believe it was like two to three years ago. I will have to look at my journal because I, I wrote that down. Well, that's what a lot <laughs> of emissaries said. Their version of it was, we've cleared a lot of the dark Draco out of this sector of space. That was their version of it. Yeah, there was a lot of kingdoms who ended up falling. There was three of them, in fact. And the Draco constellation was the first one. The queen got assassinated. And then a couple weeks to months after that, the other two dark Draco queens who, I believe one of them was in the Orion constellation, but don't quote me on that. And the other one, I can't even remember. But they ended up stepping down and turning themselves in. And then there was another queen who also got assassinated. Okay, so a lot of the truth we're hearing about cleaning up mm -hmm. underground bases, uh, the Draco situation of the dark Draco, et cetera, et cetera, is for the most part true. Yes, that is correct. There's uh, still a lot of factions out there that are rogue, and it's the rogue factions that are trying to create as much chaos as possible. They need all of that energy and resources to try and rebuild themselves, but we're doing our best to crush them. Yes. Okay, thank you for that, by the way. You and your team. Okay, so let's get back a little bit more to the ascension issue because that is of prime importance and the number one priority for humans at this point in a more or less way. Um, ascension is about a shift in consciousness and frequencies to a higher state with the body, what we call the body. And you said previously that not all species can ascend easily in consciousness. And you said it depends on where their consciousness was created. So I would like more information of, of what you mean by when you say it depends on where their consciousness was created. Source consciousness is relevant to itself. So the source consciousness, the, yeah, the source consciousness of Hanova is different from the source consciousness of this universe. Even though it is in the vicinity of Hanova, it is still different. It's like, great example. It is like the consciousness of a child in the mother's womb. Technically, by all thoughts and laws of humans, that child shouldn't even have consciousness because it's all just cells of its mother, you know? 
but it has its own identity. It has its own source, you know, of, of the consciousness, because obviously that source consciousness is not of its mother. It's of somewhere else, which is a soul. We call it a soul. Right. Yeah. So there are certain consciousnesses that only are created in this universe and this universe would be considered its source consciousness not hanova okay hanova would be like yeah how do i, I put that. this yeah because hanova i mean time is irrelevant and really not even realistic but it, it right. for purposes of to, to, talking to us humans it's it's like it was a much ancient first you know creation kind of thing this is an experiment so you're also going to have different indigenous creatures this that all kinds of things involved right so the the frequencies and vibrations and mathematics that make up this universe are different than Hanova's, and the consciousnesses that are created in this universe share that same frequency so them being able to transfer to Hanova's is going to be very difficult because it's a different vibration the different frequencies right so when we cross over when we return to source we don't have to go to Hanova we don't to do that we stay in our experimental universe and we can find our freedom that way correct correct okay and also, I believe you said not all souls here are from Hanova. <laughs> Correct. So many, we have souls here from my understanding that are from all kinds of places. So if this universe is your source, then all of the planes and dimensions of this universe can create consciousness. It can, you can... Some people can be born on the seventh plane or seventh density, if you really want to get into that, you know, or the third. And those physics of those planes of consciousness are going to be, if you have someone with a third plane consciousness that was created, ascending to a seventh plane of consciousness is going to be very difficult. It is not impossible. Yes. Because we know that consciousness can evolve. It can start to learn how to manipulate dimensions and planes so it can eventually get up there but you have to build up to it you know eventually someone could go to hanova but again you have to go through all that ascension process over and over and over and over it never ends (laughs) and uh to in order to inhabit a higher Mm -hmm. what we call seventh density or dimension or whatever term we want to use we have to be able to be coherent with that. And that has to be in a resonation with our signature. Exactly. This is pure physics. So, so if you started off as say, I don't know if there's such a thing as a baby soul and you started off in third density on earth, you, this fractal of you with the baby soul would have to do a lot of work to eventually feel comfortable in seventh, eighth or ninth. Correct. However, this gets wild. Don't we have multiple aspects, multidimensional aspects of ourselves in our astral body that we're living simultaneously? So can't we live me here in third density, also in in ninth density, also in this, also over here, as long as my soul 
overall over soul or higher self ex, um, ex, total experiential across time and space can be coherent with that. So this gets really complicated. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We've probably lost people at this point. <laughs> probably. <sighs> so as, as souls and consciousness progress, okay, we'll just go with consciousness. You could be born. Let me, I have to go all the way back to the beginning. So if this universe has its own source. Now that would be your prime source, not any of the other universes in, in and around Tanova or anything like that. It would be this universe would be your prime source. So you have that. And then underneath that is your oversoul and your oversoul is just starting to come out of source. If you were in source consciousness, you would not have your own identity. You would be one with everything. Mm -hmm. There we go. So your oversoul is your single identity that is separate from source. Now, that one only has very small dimensions and physics that it can go to because everyone thinks that, oh, you know, everyone sources at the very top of all dimensions and all things that is not actually accurate. It would be called dimension zero because, or plane zero, as I like to call it, because even though it is all, it is also nothing. And so you start at the bottom and then your oversoul's right here. And then because there's not that much physics that you can really, you're basically floating in a black void of nothingness because you are in your own reality bubble. You're no longer part of the, the conscious connection. So hold that thought, don't lose it. So you're saying that the void that people experience when they cross over death or whatever, and they describe that as a black nothingness, no thought, is what you just said, right? If you are reincarnating into your oversoul, you're going to be lonely. It gives you time to reflect, time to think about yourself. And so that, that oversoul, because it doesn't have a lot of physics or really anything to interact with, will split off again. And this time it can, it goes from a full circle to the Vesica Pisces to the infinity symbol, right? The infinity symbol would be your higher self. Right. So you have the golden and silver spiral touching for the infinity symbol to be your higher self. And now you are no longer just aware of yourself. You're aware of other things. You're, you're aware of more dimensions in physics to and densities, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll do the terminology later, but to interact with, and now it's not just about you. It's, it's about other things and other people. And so you start creating, you know, interactions with all these things, but you still can't interact fully. You know, it's like going from first, like, like a dot on a piece of paper. You know, if, if I draw someone on a two, dimension piece of paper that that can only interact dimensionally a certain way it can only interact with what i draw on the paper but if i bring that out into a 3d model now it's got something else that can interact with it's got more things that it can do so now it's got more things that it interacts with and, and has the ability to interact with because the the dimensions are changing 
And with this, you get your astral body and your astral body can separate itself into multiple, multiple, what I call shards, because I always think of crystals, but uh, some people, you call them fragments or fractals, fractals. But the SSP calls them shards. Now, when they're taking parts of souls for a clone, are you saying those shards come from the astral body, not the higher self or oversoul? So the astral body's chakras are usually what they are harvesting, and then they condense it into an actual crystal because it's all of the vibrations and frequencies of that node point. Wow. Okay. That's going to be another subject for this time. We don't want to overwhelm. Okay. So right. we have source creator, no identity, everything and nothing. Then that goes to an oversoul, which is kind of like a void. And it's like a single identity consciousness. Right. Correct. And then that goes into a higher self. A higher self can multiply. Into the astral body. So, okay, so you still have only one higher self. Still only have one higher self. But then the higher self wants to have maximum experience. Right. It can now divide into millions of astral bodies? It it just depends on the higher self's intuition and intention. Yeah, it's it's an intention. So if it if it wants to experience everything, if it gets really excited and is like, oh my gosh, I've never been here before. I want to make like 20 of me that 20 of them each astral body could be born of consciousness in any plane of existence so the the first level the second level for for what most people call dimensions or i believe you like to call it uh, densities called density yeah right so it can feel out basically the physics that are best to make its consciousness because every individual oversoul has its own unique energy signature. And so when those consciousnesses are created, it can, they can make it in different uh, planes of existence. And the consciousness can experience things from that and then do its own thing. It's a source oversoul source everything oversoul one higher self one uh higher self divides into multiple astral bodies depending on its choice so higher self has control and overview of all the different astral bodies living in different lifetimes different experiences different planes correct exactly okay and they can exist all at the same time you can actually meet you know uh technically you can also meet your astral body on the astral plane it gets really complicated yes and then your astral bodies can go into physical bodies we have multiple aspects of ourselves. thus enters our multi-dimensionality for maximum experience in at different astral bodies Correct. all all that belong to one higher self Correct. Okay. And then each one of those astral bodies all choose a physical body or many stay in an astral form or different bodies. Because you were saying that every world or every uh, density or dimension still has a form. 
right? They still have physics of their own. And so it could choose to stay in its astral body because that has different physics to, to do stuff with. But for those who actually choose a, a form up in density, then that tether would be created to from the astral body to the physical form so that it can you know do the communication but that's what creates the link to the physical right body. and that silver cord is created by the higher self no it's created by the astral body so the astral body doesn't need the higher self permission the astral body is a, a full-on creative intention mm -hmm. and it creates the silver cords and it decides with all the other astral bodies no that the single astral body decides what it's going to do yes but pretty soon it's millions of astral bodies the higher self is the is the one that chooses how many astral bodies there's going to be Oh, that's after that, after that, the astral bodies can't duplicate themselves. So it has to be the astral body has to pick a physical form. And we're not going to get into how demons are made because that's no. No, no, no. completely different. Yes. Okay. Those are really, really important. And then each one of us, uh, like this is an incarnated self from my astral body, but Correct. I have tons of others everywhere and most people when they're involved states can access those other aspects of themselves i know many super soldiers can but for mm -hmm. our purposes of this one fractal here this one you name merrily um it had to play the game of not having access to that right and that's something that when you decide to be reincarnated into the dimensions that we are now you would basically sign in the book of life for any of the creators who actually have them. Um, or, you know, there's contracts and stuff that can be made with other entities that can bring you in. You would not sign a book of life and it would not protect you from uh, going back to the person that you signed that book to as well, unless you decide to change uh, creator deities, basically. Okay. Wow. Okay. So that's, that's a, a lot right there. Um, Samantha asked a question and I uh, don't know if you have an answer. And you mentioned we are a, a beta universe and that involves experimentation mm -hmm. and new creations for diversity and soul growth and experience. The question is how many beta universes are used or created for experimentation? Do you have any idea? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I I only have knowledge of the ones that I have been into. And this is my first beta universe, but I do know that there's others because the Starseed members also talk about them. Cause we don't we don't just get assigned to one universe. There's people in our groups who get swapped out all the time or get, you know, promoted to other areas. Okay. So I'm gonna ask you a few more tough questions here. And uh, do you have, okay, so this is my question and uh, it's a little bit smart, Alex. So here we go. Do you, have, do you have any guesstimate of what percentage of the human population on earth are here as fugitives, have negative karma, pirates dumped here through portals, 
from other realms that no one else wants, plus higher density advanced volunteers with little or no karma who are here to assist with guardians and starseeds with the ascension and, um, and all the other different species and ETs here wanting to have the experience in a human body. Do you know approximately like what percentage were dumped here as a prison planet versus more highly evolved ones as a volunteer? I do not have the statistics for that. My job only requires me to do the whole evaluation. It It's not really like privy to keep tabs on, you know, all, all of where they're coming from everywhere. I know this is a prison planet. I know that this place is for um, technically third dimension reincarnations. So, I mean, if you take a rough estimate of how many people are on this planet, we're all here for a reason, as most people put it. So kind of file it into some of that category. As for those who are here to help, I have no idea. Okay. Well, you're doing both. <laughs> Technically, my, my uh, original agenda was not here to help. It was here to do the Starseed Council's um, job. <laughs> Technically, I, I'm just tired of inefficiency and people being treated like crap i agree i agree we're gonna vote you for president okay <laughs> so, you go I for will it take it you, I, my dragon lady you'd go for it you'd probably i will take it people might not like it but i, I will take it and everything probably do will a be tons better job are you kidding regarding the mortal sevens this is samantha question creators do they ever merge back to source even though they are only one fragmentation away in other words after these creators experience everything they want, if one chooses to merge back with Source, does a new one take its place? Or do the immortals continue to exist forever in those roles? That is a good question, and that is way above my pay grade. Okay. I love that you mentioned that Source Creator of our universe, not Hanova's, is not perfect, which most people in religion are trained to think that Source is perfect. And that the Source here, we're not talking about the Source, Creator of Honova, the source creator here is missing what you call a half and fourth frequencies. So what are a, a half and fourth frequencies like? Are they harmonics? Because we know sound creates matter. What it what is that about? So it's basically harmonics and harmonics equal data, they equal secret geometry. And they are missing because this is a beta universe. It does not have the ability to become a full-fledged universe to join the multiverse's codex. So, and, and that's basically because if this universe fails and becomes a virus, they wanna be able to make sure that it does not have the coding to uh, infect the already uh, ascended universes. Hmm. So basically would one way of saying it is the coding's not complete? Yeah, the coding, I, that, would be, that would be a good explanation. Is it is in Hanova? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's interesting. And what percentage of the multiverse does not exist in source itself? Source Hanova or? I don't know. I remembered when I asked that question earlier in the show, 
that's all you said. You said um, the multiverse, the entire, there are parts of the, people would be surprised to know that the multiverse does not all exist in source itself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So not all of the multiverse exists inside Hanova. It's on the outside, <laughs> but very far outside. Okay. And is that more just different experiments, different creator beings, different whatever doing their thing? Pretty much. Okay. That makes it's sense. part of the multiverse, but it's not... Uh, it's not a governed section that Hanova usually deals with, except for all the laws have to be abided by for experimentation. Okay. So um, now a lot of people go, oh, I'll ascend if I just do love and light. <laughs> I know. Very new age. <laughs> I know. I know this would get you. Uh, the dragon side of you. Everyone just goes, okay, just keep focusing on love and light. I don't want to hear anything of, quote, the bad news, which is informing yourself. But anyway, you know, just love and light. Explain what love and light actually is simply. So <laughs> the immortal seven of light, uh, it has to do with actual physics. And the physics is that emotions can be on the self or they can be shared and a lot of the positive emotions are always shared love is always shared kindness is always shared and so that's technically where the truth of love and light actually comes from so because all emotions are actually light wavelengths humans just can't see them because they're on a very minuscule version of you know the what they can perceive for light but that doesn't mean to just do this every single time something doesn't go your way or someone says a bad word. I've hit seventh level ascension. It actually physically hurts when someone swears at you. It's not the word itself per se, unless you're doing harmonics. It's the intention. The energy and, behind it. Right. But being all love and light and all the, there all the time is actually very hindersome because this universe does not allow for it to thrive. You're going to be met with a pushback of, you know, bad energies and negativity. You have to find balance in this universe. And it is hard having that ascension, the conscious ascension of ascension to be tolerant. You can still have your morals and everything else. You know, there's certain levels of tolerance that ascension does, but if, if you don't find that balance, you're going to constantly put yourself at risk for falling all over again. And then you're going to have to climb that ladder all the way back up again. And I understand why it's created that way, because all, if we think of everything being simultaneous and there's constant experiences, people are going to fall, come back up and whatever, but it's not like some linear pattern where you get to the top and you stay there. No, you but, don't. but also that being said, what are the consequences for the immortals, right? Or for the first tier down under the immortals, if they're not doing what's beneficial for all? They, so I don't know about the immortal seven, okay. um, unless they are avatars in a lower universe but they still have to uphold the laws. They made a treaty, they made a pact. 
uh, if they are found guilty, there is consequences for them. Which is? So, uh, it depends on the variances of the consequences and what they have done. Sometimes it can be deletion. In Hanova, that's what my point was. Okay. Right. Okay. Now, in, in, for the Immortal Seven in Hanova, they'll never get touched because they can't do any wrong over there. It's literally, it's the laws of one. They have to abide by their own laws. Now, that doesn't mean that their avatars in other universes can't get a little weird and do stuff, but those right. avatars will be deleted. That was my question. Okay. And also that second point you made, because they're experiencing in other universes, they're, they're able to be little bad boys or little good boys or experiment a little bit or push their little agendas and explore. But in Hanova, those are answerable by deleted and merging back to source, which if they're immortals, that would be a pretty big deal because you'd have to replace an immortal. I mean, that's like an interesting question. And if they weren't having consequences, then there's a double standard. Mm -hmm. That's what I wanted to get to. Okay. So I remember um, just a few more things. I remember you, you did a beautiful quick definition on the phone the other day when I asked, so how would you define love and light? And you said, it's the personification of no trauma. And I thought that was like, Amazing. Well, obviously we're here to experience both. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so by just going love and light, love and light, love and light is not going to seem like it's going to hone, right? The discernment, the, uh, the part like you so beautifully said, and um, you did, you gave this as an example. And this is kind of my last question actually is, since the bottom line here is people focused on ascension, really. And we talked about what one needs to do to practice ascension. I've done shows on raising frequencies for ascension. So the bottom line you said is ascension is not about love and light in this experimental universe. Ascension is about neutrality that's how i want you to end with that answer so again neutrality is you can't be love and light all the time up here you have to be able to balance everything neutrality is balance because say you're all love and light and you've had 10 years of no trauma and all of a sudden like you know, a comet comes and hits your town and everyone dies. That is a lot of trauma to deal with. A love and light person who is up here that's had no trauma for 10 years is going to immediately fall and freak out. They're going to be like, I don't know how to deal with this because I've trained myself out of how to deal with this. I've trained myself how to react to this situation. I don't have fight or flight anymore. You know, I, I'm not dealing, I'm not used to dealing with loss anymore. A balanced person will understand why this happened. It was an unfortunate cause. You know, you can go and actually help because it's not shutting off emotion. Okay. I want to, I want to make that perfectly clear. Balance is understanding the logic of reality and why everything happens the way it does. This reality you need to specify in yeah. this reality. Yes about why everything is and how to control your emotions and balance them 
and balance and not act out right so you can be like oh my gosh that that just happened and go over and help but you can be stable you can be balanced is in you're taking control you're taking command you know you're helping people you're still being there for them sympathetically but you don't have to break down and cry because that's imbalance you Mm -hmm. know I mean, you can always shed a tear for them after everyone has been taken care of and, you know, giving your offerings to them for them to pass on to the afterlife. But you're not going to be spiteful about the comet. You're not going to be like, oh, well, you're not blaming anyone. You know, you're not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You're not overed overed with grief. Mm -hmm. Because when you hit that level of ascension of balance, you're connecting to your higher consciousnesses and they know that everything happens for a reason. They know that, and it's the oldest worn out term ever, to be honest. And I absolutely hated it. Love and light. (laughs) Well, that too, but uh, everything (laughs) happens for a reason. That used to get underneath my hide so bad. (laughs) How would you reframe it? There is always going to be uncertainty in the universe, but if something like that happens where there is no way to get around it, then it's a lesson for that soul to deal with and a lesson for you to deal with because everything that happens to us either makes us or breaks us. It either allows us to be a lesson to learn and to grow, or it's going to crumble you and you're not going to learn anything. You're just going to sit there and sulk, you know? Right. And thus you have the trainings of the super soldiers, EMTs, emergency people that have to stay grounded enough to deal with the emergency, no matter how tough it is. Right. Whereas a lot of people um, that I work on, it's all about getting them out of just their head into their body also and other people who are very spiritual they're often completely out of body because that's how they deal with the trauma in their body Mm -hmm. so that's tricky too so ascension usually takes place taking some kind of physical form with you right and that that's basically if you if we're doing a starseed planet that's usually for everybody the special thing about this time around is the fifth era man genetics and, and harmonization of, of everything that makes those genetics, because it can, last time you had to have a body frequency that was close enough to your soul species or your soul or anything like that to actually be reincarnated into, you know, um, but this time they have made the fifth era of man genetics compatible with many species. And so many species gets to share the same body type well i mean like the, the minus the like hybrids that are running around naturally or unnaturally you know but for those who don't have a whole lot of actual et parents or et lineage well that's like four or fifth generations down because after that it just gets muted out you know mm-hmm. even then like you're all experiencing the same thing that i am every day every single time i go outside i have to live in your guys's world you know, yeah. when I go to sleep, I get taken to base and I'm still in your guys's world or I'm off world. Yeah. You know, but everything that affects you guys affects me the same way where, where I'm going to eat, where I have my house, where, you know, I, I sleep, where, 
the oxygen that we all breathe. So everything is crucial because we're all evolving together. Yes. That's or de-evolving. Beautiful. That's beautifully <laughs> said. So we're going to end part three with that. And thank you for all your helpful uh, suggestions. And we are going to focus on Ascension. But before we close down, let's have you share some of the amazing things you're going to be teaching in your academy. And uh, of course, we're writing a book together and we're going to do a series of these, uh, which will be fun. And um, I can't thank you enough for your valuable time. Most people have no idea what super soldiers like you go through and how hard it is to you know, find any time to teach. And I, feel, I can't tell you how honored I feel to have you uh, here to present such unique ideas, no matter how uncomfortable they are, we are with them. And just to expand our consciousness and allow a little bit to sip in at a time because we are on the last thousand years and I want every single one of us possible to pull it off. And we still have time, quote, time, quote, to do that. So share with people where they can contact you and what you're offering, love. So I have, it's been a very long journey of making the Academy. I have been trying to make it technically since 2015 <laughs> was like the base thought of it. I have a Discord server, which I will be giving an unlimited link to for this show. Uh, I do not claim myself as a professional teacher by any means. Uh, my English isn't all that great either for translations. However, the Academy basically teaches people who have abilities or want to get abilities. Abilities do not equal ascension though, I will warn you. So basically the academy teaches to unlock the abilities that a person has in their bodies on a scientific manner, on a scientific level. A year one academy is literally made for, um, I would say junior high level, like pre-junior high level. Uh, second year is going to be way more advanced in studying but you have to pass a test to get into year two <laughs> it's not you easy you have to be willing to do some homework you have to be willing to push yourself and do a lot of studying and a lot of physical training so it is not for the week of willed um but there are a lot of people who have abilities and they have no teachers they don't know what to do with them and most importantly they do not understand the culture and the society boundaries that go with that. And that's what my academy teaches. There's a lot of science that goes into it, hopefully not too much in year one, but I, it's not 100% complete. It will be complete at the end of this month for the lessons. And some of them are new, so they're a little unrefined, but I hope that it helps everybody to learn about themselves. Now saying that, there are lessons in that academy that helps the path of ascension, especially if you're just starting out, you don't know what to do. The academy has meditation. Uh, it has several lessons on meditation, several breathing exercises to activate your chakra and stimulate DMT in your brain. 
you know, how to focus, how to manage yourself, how to, you know, protect yourself from other entities, you know, by that's pretty important. much by the end of year two. Yeah. Especially all the impasse that are here. Right. And we do actually have lessons on how to control your empathy, to shield yourself when you're getting overwhelmed. Um, so that's yeah. huge. That is huge. That's huge. I think that's 70% of women and 20% of men for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a huge conglomeration of everything. There's 29 lessons for year one. And I do emphasize that it is year one. So most of the time students spend a whole year, <laughs> not just, you know, two months going through the lessons and they're like, I'm ready for year two. Uh, there is a physical energy test and there is a um, written test as well. I've had uh, about 12 students and only three past year one within five months. So how many of those were soldiers? None. Okay, so this is important that you don't have to be motivated to, that you're gonna to have to need to use this for your career. Okay, and here's, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. What's the benefit? If people are sincere and do this, what will they get out of this? Peace, balance, higher wisdom. What, what is it that you're offering? They will have the ability to control their emotions. They will have the ability to move their tyrodial field, which creates your aura and influences your chakras. They will have the ability to communicate better, not only with each other, but those, their surroundings or environment, depending on how much they apply themselves. You know, I, at the end of, um, well, during, during the lessons and everything, they get exercises on how to actually develop their abilities telepathy they get um, the exercises on how to basically start uh, psychokinesis that's the ability to move stuff around i'm not saying anyone will ever in their lifetime be able to do that but having those memories in your astral body for when you get reincarnated possibly you, you it, it stays it stays you know going through the ascension process I've noticed that when my students go through the schooling, they do ascend. It is up to them on how much they ascend, but they usually hit the, what I call the puberty point. So we also have lessons on ego and how to harness your ego for protecting yourself, but also keeping yourself in check <laughs> so that you don't become a rebellious teenager person and just think that they're all that on your soapbox. This is so important for the young adults, especially, you know, young adults, especially because they're going to be the team that are re rebuilding everything. Now, I do want to do one caveat here. Um, we need to be careful when we say control emotions as a dragon. That's a very cha huge challenge. <laughs> I know. I know. I feel you. Um, I do. <laughs> and you can tell a little story about that. But for, for humans, if we work on controlling it, for a lot of humans, that means they're stuffing it down and they get sick. No, 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 no. So, so we need to clarify. Yeah. What, what I mean about controlling emotions is whatever is triggering you to have emotions, you have it with balance and clarity. It's not, okay, I just need to shove this in, in my, you know, bottom of my heart or soul and just power through this. It is literally 
being able to see everything clarity, think about it logically. Why am I feeling this way? What is causing me to feel this way? Am I overreacting? What if I if I am overreacting? Why am I overreacting? Is this emotions from like 10 years ago or am I just too overwhelmed and I'm overreacting? Perfect. Not taking things so personally most of the time. All of that. Yeah. That that was a really important um, addition. Thank you for that clarity. And if, if I'm right, you're offering this free still? Yes, it is absolutely oh God, 100% free. Get your kids in here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. I, uh, we have a Discord server. So I do put that um, it is more for adults just because I am not a teacher. I, I don't want anyone to think that they're going to be a super human powered person coming right. out of this, right. you know, and kids are more impressionable and teenagers are more impressionable, but it does help. Uh, I've had a lot of people who have been my students come out with clarity. Our oldest, our oldest student was 69 years old. He is now 75. So you are never too old to do these classes. Exactly. Cause we're going to be living a lot longer anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so that whole age thing is just so made up. Um, so they're free folks. So that is yeah. so great. And um, anyway, thank you so, so much, Apollomy. And thank you, everyone out there. You are part of our team and we can do this. We can do this ascension. We can get the numbers up from 19 to a lot more. Let's support each other. We're stay strong as an extended team and continue onwards and upwards until next time. Woo! Love you guys.